Ah, oh, Mike Haynes. I can't help but feel like Miami did as much to lose that game as Texas A&M did to win it. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today and your first watch. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Miami Falls on the road at Texas A&M, 17-9 the final score. Before we get into the bad and the good in that game, and yes, there was some good. There was plenty of good. I want everybody to take a deep breath, okay? Take a deep breath. If you can find a way to smile, smile, because there were some good things that came out of last night, believe it or not. And as far as the mistakes, which were plentiful, everything should be, can be, and hopefully will be a learning experience from coaching on down to players and their execution and mental mistakes. When you have a high caliber coaching staff like Miami's and when you have great players and athletes like Miami has, you need to take this and learn from it because you still have so much in front of you, including all of your goals in front of you. Despite the fact that I'm going to say Miami missed an opportunity to take one on the road with how well Miami's defense played and how well Miami was playing on offense at the line of scrimmage. There was a huge missed opportunity there. You look at the offensive numbers aside from the actual points scored which, of course, didn't go in Miami's favor. Miami had 27 first downs in the game, but no touchdowns. The first team since 2000 to have 27 first downs in a game without scoring a single touchdown. I think that goes to show you, if nothing else, just how poor Miami was in the red zone, that they could move the ball so well through the other 80 yards of the field and then come away with zero touchdowns after all of that. Uh, more examples of that. Miami outgained Texas A&M. Total offense, 392 to 264. Hurricanes had 217 passing yards to 140. And that's despite the fact that the passing game was not in sync. They still had that many more yards than Texas A&M. 175 rushing yards to 124. So, when I read you these stats, I'm not trying to say that Miami deserved to win this game. I'm saying I'm so shocked that they could put up numbers like that for the other 80 yards of the field and then not actually punch it in for a touchdown in the red zone. I think that's a big surprise here. So there's a lot to unpack from the offense. And really, you know, when you talk about why Miami didn't win this game, Special teams was a gigantic part of that, you know, early in the game, that Tyreek Stevenson muffed punt. I think that was the most critical turning point of this football game. It was three to three at that point, And that gave basically seven free points to Texas A&M, just a stupid mental error for him to feel that punt, to hesitate, to already be thinking about getting upfield the way that he was like that. That was a calamity. Okay. That was just brutal. Okay. And I hope Tyreek learns from that. And he actually had a, a good game on defense, just a terrible miscue on special teams. Miami also had two missed field goals in the game, especially that one that got blocked. Those were wasted chances to get points in a low scoring game like this penalties 
were also costly for Miami, right? They had an offensive penalty, a holding in the red zone, which was very costly um, on defense. Now, I got to say, you know, they got flagged 15 yards for it. It turned a 25-yard gain from Texas A&M into a 40-yard gain. I thought that 15-yard penalty on James Williams for body slamming Devon A-Chain was ridiculous. It was absurd. Like, the guy gets flagged for tackling too well. I mean, A-Chain was still fighting for forward progress on that play. And he is, Devon A-Chain, as we saw throughout the game, very difficult to tackle. He was still fighting for yards. James Williams, very aggressively, very emphatically, made sure he got him to the ground. It's not targeting or anything like that. Texas A&M were the ones who committed targeting during that game. They had two DBs ejected in, was it both in the first quarter, I think? Yeah, both in the first quarter. Uh, but, you know, that was a really, really rough one, that 15-yarder on James Williams. I didn't think that should have been called. Uh, so let's talk a little bit more about the offense in the red zone. Yes, I did think the play calling was too conservative whenever Miami got inside the Aggies 20. Uh, I thought the play calling was fine between Miami's one yard line because they did have a possession that literally started from their own one in up to the Aggies 20. I thought the play calling was fine until you got into the red zone. And then in the red zone, every pass was underneath. Too many runs, even designed runs for TVD inside the 10 that really had no chance of working. Um, and I think what's puzzling about it is that's the type of play calling in the red zone you usually see when a coordinator doesn't trust his quarterback, or maybe in this case didn't trust any of his receivers or tight ends enough to fight for balls in the end zone. But that's the sort of play calling where you're calling plays in the red zone to not lose rather than calling plays to win. Okay. So um, that, that was a little bit frustrating. Like the, how conservative Miami was inside Texas A&M's 20, that was a frustrating thing to watch. It was very, very conservative. Um, you know, other miscues. Henry Parrish, though he had a great game running the football, he did have a costly, costly drop in the passing game. Bashard Smith had his hands on that pass on fourth down late that would have kept the game alive and given Miami a chance to tie it. They would have also needed a two-point conversion if they'd scored a touchdown. But, you know, that would have kept Miami alive. The game ended uh, on that fourth down misconversion. And, yes, the Hurricanes, uh, more than I'd hoped they would, the Hurricanes really did miss Xavier Restrepo. And a note on Xavier, maybe you guys went to bed before Cristobal gave his post-game comments last night. He was asked about Restrepo, if there's any sort of a timetable, and Coach Cristobal said that he's going to be out Restrepo for at least six weeks. Get well soon, X. You're going to be needed. Um, and you know, hopefully that time, I, I hope X is a quick healer or at least an on time healer. Cause if you're giving me roughly a six week timeline that could have him back in time for the Florida state game. So rest up, train carefully, don't suffer any setbacks. Cause I, I think we're going to need X against Florida state if he's ready to go by that point. Um, so, yeah, on Tyler Van Dyke, he didn't get too many favors from his receivers, but still, Van Dyke, he wasn't good on Saturday. Never got comfortable. Everything that he threw more than 15 yards downfield just didn't look accurate, wasn't throwing catchable balls, wasn't really in rhythm. So with some of that stuff out of the way, uh, there are definitely some positives to take away from this game. There's no question about it. 
And we're going to talk about those. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes because we have a lot more to come, guys. But I want to talk about BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Folks, I'm on BetOnline every single day because there's so much good stuff there. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week games. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering info, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Available free, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So talked about some of the negative stuff, and we will circle back. But from Miami's 17-9 loss on the road at a very loud Kyle Field, over 107,000 people they had there. I didn't even know the capacity was that big. Like, I, I thought it was 102. Somehow they snuck an extra 5,000 people into that stadium. It was crazy. There were a lot of Miami fans there. So thank you guys for making the trip. But on the positive ends, um, I come away feeling really good about Miami's offensive line. Miami's O-line has gone from a weakness to a strength in just one season. Zero sacks allowed last night. 175 rushing yards produced. They were getting plenty of push at the line of scrimmage against a a very, when it comes to blue chip ratio, against a very highly touted Texas A&M defensive line. Miami's O-line was getting push. They were winning the physical battles. They were opening holes for the running game. And quite frankly, it is astounding to me how much the coaching from Mirabal and Cristobal has improved that unit in just one offseason. And I know they have the experience and they've got some players, right, including a projected first round pick and Zion Nelson and Jalen Rivers is excellent. Uh, so they have some players on that offensive line. But still, these guys couldn't put it together the last couple of years. They're putting it together now. I'm really, really happy to see that. And man, I probably could have led with this even before I got to the offensive line. Miami's defense in this game. Do not blame them whatsoever for the loss. Miami's defense was darn near perfect at AM. Coordinator Kevin Steele, who, yes, he knows Jimbo Fisher very well, having gone against him head-to-head multiple times. Uh, he was actually 2-1 uh, when, when Steele was at Auburn. Auburn was 2-1 and one under Steele against AM, giving up less than 24 points, as they did last night. But when he was at Auburn, they gave up less than 24 points in two out of those three matchups. Uh, Kevin Steele gets my game ball. That was a flawless game plan. By Miami's defense, great play calling. He dialed up the blitz when he needed to, rushed four when he needed to, but most importantly, the players actually executed it at every level. Leonard Taylor was disruptive, as we hoped he would be. He was a problem for AM all night, number 56. Jafari Harvey got a big sack in the game. Corey Flagg was excellent again at linebacker. This guy continues to make a lot of us eat our words, okay? Corey Flagg was the highest graded player on the team, period, offense or defense per pro football focus, grading out at an 83.3 on Saturday night. DJ Ivy played great. DJ Ivy actually played in this game the way that he practices during the week at Green Tree. 
which we don't often see. Usually he's a practice all-star, and then in games he's not the same guy. He was the same guy on game day as he's been in practice. He graded out higher than any other Canes defensive back at 79.1 on pro football focus. Um, but, you know, James Williams was also excellent. James was all over the field. I mean, there was even one play when James slipped and he still made the tackle. I think it was on A-Chain to keep A-Chain from getting a first down. Like normally you slip and fall, you're probably out of the play. James was able to react very quickly, get up and still make the tackle. Uh, you know, Tyreek Stevenson obviously had uh, the biggest special teams gaffe of the game, but he was good in coverage. Cam Kinchin's very good. Daryl Jackson on the defensive line, very good. Uh, I thought defensively it was a really good performance. Uh, the only thing the Hurricanes were missing, and credit to AM on this, the only thing the Hurricanes were missing was a takeaway or two. If Miami could have gotten a turnover, maybe they're missing that turnover chain, huh? Eh. If Miami could have gotten a turnover or two, could have been a different ballgame. They nearly got one on special teams, though, late. Uh, it was Anias Smith on that punt return. Similar error to what Tyreek Stevenson had early in the game, Anias Smith fielded a punt he shouldn't have fielded fumbled it the difference was he miraculously was able to recover his own fumble because Miami would have gotten the football I think inside A&M's 15 might have actually been able to punch it in for a, a rare touchdown if they had done that uh, but Smith was able to recover it himself so that that was Miami's opportunity to actually get a takeaway but that was the thing that Miami was missing for as good as the defense was a takeaway would have been huge but credit to A&M I give them credit because they took care of the football that quarterbacking last night from Max Johnson, extremely unremarkable, right? It was just, you know, it was like a, like a $1 slice of cheese pizza. Like it just got the job done, nothing exciting about it. All Max Johnson really did was go out there, babysit the offense, not make too many plays, but didn't make any mistakes, right? So I guess from that standpoint, you could say the quarterback change worked because maybe Haynes King might have been good for a mistake or two, a turnover or two. Max at least took care of the football. Um, but no, I mean, I think my biggest positive takeaway from this game is, and, you know, I, I try to be positive even after a loss because still have nine games left to play this season, okay? Strictly based on the talent level, Miami did look like they belong on the same field as an SEC team that's had their own problems, right? I'm not saying Texas A&M is Georgia. They're not. Uh, but that's an SEC team loaded with blue chippers. And Miami actually looked like they belonged on the same field as them. We haven't been able to say that in recent years, right? The success Miami was having at the point of attack, both sides of the football, I thought was very encouraging. I think there's a lot to work with here. Uh, some other good things. Um, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of good on offense, but I do give credit, a lot of credit to Will Mallory. Will Mallory had a big catch in the fourth quarter where he fought for that tremendous run after the catch, got spiked on his head. Uh, I was, man, really concerned when I saw him on the ground. I thought that that might have been, um, you know, a, a serious injury. Thank God it wasn't, okay? Uh, but Will Mallory had a, a very good game, tough as nails. He returned to the game shortly after that injury scare on the sidelines. So thank goodness he was tough as nails to get back in that game. And I definitely uh, I want to see more in the coming weeks of Jacoby George. He made his debut off, off of suspension, had that electric 24-yard catch where he one man to beat into the end zone, nearly led to a touchdown on that play. So to me, Jacoby George, he looks like he's got the stuff 
to be wide receiver one, at least until Restrepo comes back, okay? And on the running game, Jalen Knighton and Henry Parrish made a great one-two punch. I wish we had seen a little bit more of Thad Franklin. I mean, he got in one carry late, lost a yard, but didn't get you know more than one opportunity to carry. But as far as Parrish and Franklin, they were excellent. 85 yards for Parrish on 5.3 yards per carry. 77 yards for Rooster on five and a half yards per carry. There were a couple of moments where, again, they were one tackler away from gigantic gains. So again, credit to AM for uh for not, you know, th- their defense was good. Miami's defense was even better. AM's defense was good. They limited Miami's big plays. But you know, going back to the negative side of things. What do you guys think? Tell me in the comments. Tell me on Twitter at Locked On Canes. You can tweet us there at Locked On Canes. If you follow us, we will follow you back. Uh, tell me what you guys thought about Tyler Van Dyke's struggles in the game, because the reactions that I've been seeing on Canes Twitter have ranged anywhere from Tyler Van Dyke is absolutely not the problem whatsoever. It's the play calling and it's his receivers. This is not TVD's fault at all. I've seen some of that. And then I've also seen some of this guy's not it. We need to try Garcia. So opinions are wide ranging on Tyler Van Dyke. Now this was, this was the biggest road game of his career to this point. Uh, And TVD did not pass the test last night in my opinion. So is he just not meshing with Gaddis's offense or has he actually taken a step back from what made him successful last year? Because, you know, something I see from TBD that I didn't see last season when it comes to just the decision-making and the processing of the games, I see TBD at least last night staring down receivers in a way that he didn't do last year. It was just processing games so much quicker last season. Uh, you know, is this a case of him missing Restrepo this much? Does he miss Rambo and Harley too much? Is he still adapting to this offense? Now, I'm going to go on record and say this. I'm certainly, uh, I'm not part of the bench TVD crowd. I still think Tyler Van Dyke right now is the best quarterback on this team. And, you know, he, in fall camp, he proved it. He solidified himself as the starting quarterback in fall camp, right? And I love Jake Garcia. His time is going to come, okay? Jake Garcia is going to be at some point the starting quarterback of the Miami Hurricanes. I just don't think it's next week. Like, I I still think this is Tyler Van Dyke's team, but it's up to him, and it's up to his receivers who didn't execute to pick themselves up, okay? And I also, it seemed like TVD was a little bit hobbled last night, so I wonder wonder if there's something else going on there. Um, Other things I I would love to discuss on uh, on the YouTube chat and on Twitter is... Was Miami wrong to attempt the field goal down 17 to three and to play for the field goal instead of going for it on fourth down when they were down 17 to six, where they cut it to 17 to nine? Now, when Miami was down 17 to six, I completely understand taking the points and kicking the field goal. That was chip shot range. Because if you go for it on fourth down and miss it there, the game's over, right? where if you get three points like they did, it gives you an opportunity to play for a tie on your next possession after your defense does its job, which it did. The defense was doing their job all game long. Um, So when it comes to actually kicking the field goals on those fourth downs, I didn't have a problem with the actual choices to kick those field goals. I just didn't like how the play calling on first, second, and third down 
was basically playing for a field goal and not for a touchdown. Everything underneath, weren't taking shots in the end zone, not aggressive. And again, it's a little bit puzzling because that's the type of play calling you expect for a team that doesn't trust their quarterback. And I think you need to give Tyler Van Dyke the benefit of the doubt and trust him and hoping that when you have targets like Will Mallory or Elijah Arroyo, and Arroyo, I give him credit, had a big catch in the game on the wheel route. I think that was a 29-yarder. That was Miami's biggest gainer in the passing game. I would have liked to have seen more from Arroyo and from the tight ends in general last night. Um, so that that was my that was my issue. Like my issue with play calling wasn't anything between Miami's one yard line and Texas A&M's 21 yard line. It was everything inside the 20 because they got way too buttoned up in the red zone. Um, also, you know, this is something I think we need to think about moving forward is when Miami was chasing the game late and every second on that clock was precious. There wasn't a whole lot of urgency. We needed to see more tempo late in the game when you're playing from behind like that. And every second is necessary. So I, I thought they could have used the clock to their advantage a little bit more late. And it was, it was unfortunate. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to blame Mario for this necessarily, because I, I think in that spot, based on what his team was showing on the field, probably needed to call that timeout, but it was very unfortunate that Miami burned one of their second half timeouts, like first possession of the third quarter, because they could have used that third timeout again when they were, you know, trying to save precious seconds on the clock late in the game to try to tie it up. They only had two uh, timeouts to work with then instead of three timeouts to work with. So this is a learning experience for everybody, right? And I know that the reflection period from Cristobal, Josh Gaddis, Kevin Steele, who, you know, basically did everything right. I'm going to say Kevin Steele was the MVP of the coaching staff last night. But, you know, every Miami coach, they are taking inventory of what worked, what didn't work. And you've got to learn from these mistakes. And, hey, do us all a favor and take some revenge on Middle Tennessee next week. So Middle Tennessee is coming to Hard Rock Stadium next week. Cobra Kai style. No mercy. Sweep the leg. Make them pay. Right. Same way. I'm sure, you know, Texas A&M was extra angry after losing at home to Appalachian State last week. You know, they they took it out. They, they played a lot better against Miami, you know, on Saturday than they did against Appalachian State the previous week. Miami still could have won the game. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I want Miami to take out revenge on Middle Tennessee because, folks, I don't want you to come away from this. From this episode, sad, discouraged, dejected. Yes, Miami lost the game. Yes, they had opportunities to win it. And they were too wasteful in the red zone. Made too many mistakes on special teams. Too many miscues. I'm going to say they just weren't ready to win a game like this. You've got to make yourself ready. You've got to learn from this. And you've got to accentuate your positives. Because I see some really good stuff there. Offensive line. The entire defense showed up to play. I like little things, even in the passing game, from Jacoby George and Will Mallory especially. Um, so there's definitely some stuff to work with. We still need to see who's going to emerge to become the guy who fills the shoes or at least somewhat fills the shoes of Restrepo before he's ready to come back. And, yeah, there were a lot of positives from the running game as well. So Miami belongs on the same field with a talented team like Texas A&M. But it's so many of these little things you can't shoot yourself in the foot. Like, how many times are you going to win a game when you have a blocked field goal 
and a muffed punt for a turnover in the same game. You're not going to win too many games like that. Then at the same time, you know, how many teams are going to get 27 first downs and not score a single touchdown? That hadn't happened in 22 years. So it was it was bizarre. It was bizarre. Miami should have taken advantage of more opportunities. They unfortunately did not. And here we are uh, recapping a, a 27, uh, sorry, a 17 to 9 loss. So let's make this a learning experience and let's keep our heads held high, Hurricanes fans, because we've got a lot to play for still. The Hurricanes have clearly gotten tougher and stronger. That's a big positive takeaway. When you just look at the conditioning and the strength at the point of attack, what I saw on the line of scrimmage on defense was encouraging and on offense as well. This team did not get physically bullied, but they still come off a little bit mentally fragile. They don't have that winning mentality yet to avoid these mistakes and dumb decisions in close games on the road. So let's take it and let's learn from it. I want to thank everybody for making us a part of your day, man. Uh, make sure to support the show. The show is completely free, okay? So all you have to do to support us, I mean, if you do want to support our awesome sponsors like Bet Online which is also free. Click on their website, read all the great information there at betonline.net. Uh, and if you want to support the show specifically, hit that thumbs up button if you're watching us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to our channel. Subscribe to our audio feeds, which are great because you take us in the car, you're stuck in traffic, you're out for a jog, you can listen to us, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your pods. And also make sure you support Locked On ACC. I'm a part of that show now, guys. I do uh, the Thursday episode every single week with Candace Cooper. Candace Cooper is on Monday through Friday. I do the Thursday episode with her talking ACC football and basketball. So make sure you make Locked On ACC your second listen. Thank you so much for making us your first. And we will talk to you guys again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.